This is Jeff Stanfield. Thank you for listening to Big Honker Podcast. Big Honker Podcast is sponsored by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Two fat boys from Wichita Falls, Texas had a vision 27 years ago they were going to start getting guiding hunts. 27 years later, we were one of the largest waterfowl outfitters in the United States. We had 27 years in the, in the business. We'll take care of you. If you're looking for that dove hunt, deer hunt, duck hunt, goose hunt, Texas, Oklahoma, shoot some pheasants or doves, wild hogs, call us at Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. That's www.stanfieldhunting.com, and we look forward to talking to you. Just ask for the fat guy. We'd like to thank our sponsor, William and Chris Wines. That's williamchriswines.com out of High Texas. And that is home of the Sway Rosé. I've been saying it's Sway Rose, it's Sway Rosé, because I don't, I'm not much of a wine drinker. Michelle's a wine drinker, and I got educated <laughs> on all of this. So anyways, <laughs> this commercial is brought to you by williamandchriswines.com out of High Texas. They can be found at Bucky's, H-E-B, and Central Market. I thought Sway was like another company or something. It's, it's it's Sway Rose. Really? Chris Chris educated me. He sent me a message with a with a line over the e. He didn't only just yeah. He not only sent me a message. He sent me one of those voice texts mm-hmm. and it said Sway Rose. Rose, yeah. Rose is the the popular one. Rose is actually really good. I like Rose. Well, he's fixing to send us a bunch of it. I like so, a good. So rose. I've been saying Sway Rose. You fucked huh? that all. Up. I'm not a wine drinker. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, Chris sent me a deal and he said, Jeff, that's Sway Rose. And he not only spelled it out, but then he sent me the Sway Rose. Rose. And I started to record his little way of saying it to put it in there. But anyways, folks, they're great sponsors. It's a great product, great people. That's William and Chris Vineyards in High Texas. Such a great product, you didn't even know the name. Well, if you're a wine drinker, it's a, it is. Michelle says it's a great product. She's love, a wine drinker. Yeah, I love rose. I've that's what they that's what they gave us in Oklahoma. Yeah, that was before they put it on the market. I'll be. I yeah. feel special now. Uh-huh. Go get you some Sway Rosé. Hey, everybody. Zach Shaver here. You ever look out in the distance and wonder why those ducks circling aren't finishing in your decoys? Well, it's probably because you don't have a 737 duck call on your lanyard. Guys, take it from me. If you take anything from this podcast, listen to my advice on this. I've been doing this since I was four years old. I'm 25 now. I'll let you do the math. All right. I carry nothing but 737 on my lanyard. It is my go-to call when the going gets tough. When I need to get the birds down, that's what I'm going to. Do yourself a favor and go to www.737duckcalls.com and order you one a day. Also, look them up on their social media on Instagram and Facebook at 737duckcalls. Hey, boys and girls, Andy Shaver here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. This show is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Dive Bomb is the leader in silhouette manufacturing in the decoy market today. They're what we use. We have definitely put them through the torture test. Rain, snow, muck, mud, anything that you can imagine, Dive Bomb holds up perfect. And for listeners of this show, you can save yourself 10% off of your entire cart if you go to DiveBombIndustries.com today, fill up that shopping cart, use the promo code BIGHONKER at checkout. That's Big Honker, all lowercase, two words, Big Space Honker. You can save yourself 10% off of your entire cart. The season is getting close. Go get your decoys today. Go get the ones with the flocked heads. You will not regret it. All right. On this episode of the podcast, we have the one and only Bill Saunders. Bill is one of the OGs in the calling industry. He's been around for 25, 30 years. Uh, Bill Saunders Game Calls. We were so lucky to have him on, so thankful to have him on, and he he, he shares all of his knowledge with, with you guys and with us, so so thankful that he uh, 
stooped to our level and, and came on the show. So anyway, without further ado, here he is, the man, Bill Saunders. Here we go. Three, two, one. Boom. And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. And on our phones, we have the one and only Bill Saunders. Bill, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys? We are doing fantastic. It's a little warm here in Texas, but we are trudging through summer. Full bore. How warm? Uh, today was actually pretty mild. I don't think it... 94, 94, maybe. 95. Oh, yeah. I think I got you guys deep. I think we're pushing 100 today, 100 tomorrow. Ooh. And uh, I think it's supposed to be... I've got a walleye tournament that I'm going to fish this coming weekend. And I looked at the forecast, and it says 103 one day and 106 the next. So, uh, is, that, is that normal up there? Rough. That's, what's that? Is that normal? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, we, get, we usually get a couple weeks of really, really hot weather like this, and um, you just deal with it. Either you stay on the water, you stay inside. It's be the same thing. We're, we're, and you've got you've got humidity. At least we're dry. You know, we're a dry heat. No, where I'm, in eastern Washington, I'm dry. I mean, oh, are I, you? I would say, yeah, ours, people are always, you know, they think about coming to Washington, and they think of Seattle. Yeah. Um, once you get on the east side of the Cascades, uh, our country looks like high desert. I oh, mean, okay. It probably looks a lot like where you guys were at. I mean, there's sagebrush, tumbleweeds, and deer and elk and antelope running on the prairies, and then irrigation circles everywhere. So it's, uh, it's probably really similar to uh, a lot of high desert country. That does. That sounds exactly like West Texas, actually. So, uh, yeah. You're, are you around Yakima? No, I live in Kennewick, which is one of the Tri-Cities. It's a confluence of the Columbia River, the Snake River, the Yakima River, the Walla Walla River, all dump in right here where I live. So it's kind of a super highway for ducks and geese in the fall and winter migration. Now, do you watch live PD on A&E? Because I I I think in Washington, I think they're in Kennewick. I think you're right. You got a lot of bad people in town? We have a lot of what? There's a show called Live PD that's on A&E, and I think they're in Kennewick. Oh, my wife loves that show. No, that's in Spokane. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Spokompton is what they call it. Yeah. (laughs) Is it a bad place? I think it's like any town. There's bad parts of town, but Spokane is a great town. I mean, it's... Gonzaga Bulldogs, man, oh, yeah. up there, so it can't be all bad. But uh, um, yeah, it's like any town. There's, there's a bad side of the tracks. So, are you a Seattle Seahawks fan? No, no, he's not. I was getting into that. No, 
No, I am not. You're and, a Packer fan. Uh, I am a Packer fan. That's I'm right. Originally, I'm originally from Wisconsin, and, uh, you know, uh, it's Go Pack Go. That's right. what it is. I mean, I think instead of church, we went uh, we went and sat in front of the TV and watched Packer games when we was a kid. So, um, no, I'm green and gold, too, and through. I was going to get into this later into the podcast, but I am also a diehard Packer fan. And right on, man. Um, I was going to ask you: is this our, is this finally going to be our year? I don't know. If you, if you watch, uh, if you watch the NFL Network and ESPN, no, it's not. They yeah. they don't think it is. But I don't know. I mean, I think we've got a great team. I mean, there's we've got uh, some parts that we were missing, and uh, we lost some parts, but uh, uh, we'll see. As long as Aaron can stay healthy, and for that matter, the rest of the team, I think if, if you're like me, you got tired of seeing so many guys on the disabled list. And it was, holy cow, another guy gets, another guy goes down. Um, but, uh, you know what, let's just, yeah, the heck with it. This well, is our year. This Let's is our. Say it together. There this you is go. Our this year. is our year. So, so saying it together. What drove me crazy was the running back carousel. It's just like God Almighty, just get somebody in there that can stay healthy. And, and we're still, we still don't have a, a fucking running back. It, you're getting my blood boiling, Bill. So, so Bill, <laughs> did you have to? Did you have to listen to a bunch of shit two years ago in the playoffs when Seattle won the miracle game? Oh. Oh, that one. I will tell you what. Now, in this, we finally get to talk a little bit of hunting. I was in the field hunting when that game was on. And, I mean, I'm not a rubbing-in-your-face kind of guy too much. But, uh, you know, I was in the blind. I'm a Packer fan. The whole blind was Seattle fans. Uh-huh. And I'm like, finally, man, we are going to win this game. Here we go. I mean, I'm grinning from here to here. And, I'm, you know, we've got some guys. This is, you know. This was several years ago when we still didn't have great cell phones and all the different things that we have now. So it was like kind of intermittent. Oh, I just got a store update, or somebody would text me an update. One guy was trying to live stream it and was in and out. But it looked like we were going to win it. Yep. And I looked down the pit, and this was a young kid. And he was probably, I'm going to say, probably 13 or 14. And he, he was crying. Learning that the Seattle Seahawks were gonna were gonna lose, and you know, I felt bad for a fraction of a second. <laughs> and then I just kind of smiled to myself, and was like, yes, yes. And then it all went to shit. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you guys saw the game. I'm sure some of the listeners saw the game. Yep. And the Packer fans will never forget it. But um, I remember picking up after they lost, and the kid. I mean, his eyes were still red. He looked at me and says, "Don't worry. One day you'll know what it feels like to be a winner." Oh, I'll never, I'll never forget that. And he walked away. What a dick! Thought, you little sword, so <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, I'll never forget that game. I was like, you know, a lot of football games. I, I think if you're Duncan Goose owner, you end up watching them on the phone or you know, get the somebody texting you the highlights. Yeah. I actually, uh, we had a hunt that morning, and I was off that afternoon, and I raced home to uh, to watch that game. And my brother is also a Packer fan, and we're watching it at my house. And j- just like you were describing, 
second, third quarter, even the fourth quarter, we're like, we're going to the Super Bowl. This is it. And then the onside kick happened. And it the the <laughs> the energy in that room, I, I mean, it was just like I, I mean it just it was so deflating. But uh Yeah. I don't know. We're gonna have to get on to some you know, Go ahead. Yeah, I I'll say this. I have got one of the guys that's on the pro staff, probably one of the, the oldest pro staffers, uh, Randy Southern. And he's uh, in the police department in near Green Bay. I don't think he's writing people uh, but uh Packers win, drunken disorderly yep. goes up. Packers lose, domestic violence goes up. I, so, I, uh, Packers fans I don't are pretty it. passionate people, I would say. Yes. So. Yeah, they are. Uh, but it, it was. It, and, you know, the fact that we raced home, we were in. We were actually hunting in Oklahoma the, the morning, and we were off, I don't know, one or two days after that. So come home and going to watch our Packers go to the Super Bowl and – and then that's the shit show that we get. So, yeah, it's, you're uh, lucky. I had to camp out there all day. Uh, we don't have the geese at home like we used to. <laughs> Although we we end up, you know, we see probably about the same number of geese as we always have. It's just I've got a lot of long days anymore on the field. So, now, uh, yeah, are you shooting mainly? Uh, are you shooting the big geese mostly, or are you shooting the the small guys? Um, you know it's. Unfortunate here. I mean, we have um, the majority of the geese are migrators that come in from the northwest territories in Alaska, which you know, are, are true lessers. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a lot of westerns, which we put, you know, big honkers. There are a lot of those around. Um, you know, where I in my in my older age, I've become lazy, and I like to <laughs> like to be in a nice warm pit every time I go. Nothing. So I hunt close to the refuge, and the refuge is typically, you know, a lot of little birds that come out. Um, like I said, lessers, there are a few honkers certain times of year. We do get a lot of cacklers. The, the snow goose numbers are growing I mean, incredibly. In fact, I think that the fishing game has told us that over the past five years, our snow goose numbers have doubled each year. Wow. And it's interesting because they're not the, the mid-continent snows like what you guys did. Our birds actually come down from Wrangell Island, and um, when we shoot a banded bird, they're typically banded in Russia. So uh, the other thing is we don't see, <clears throat> pardon me, we don't see any blue geese, you know, generally. I mean, we shoot a few, but, uh, yeah, it's a different snow goose, but it's, you know, just as the mid-continent population exploded, to see that, you know, it was a few years behind and the specific flyway population is doing the same thing. And they're banded so, in and they're banded in Russia, you said? Yeah, they're 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 yeah, they're banded in Russia. They they're a regular, you know, advised band like we've all shot. Um, mm-hmm. but when you send them in and uh, you know, I'm sitting in my office here, I probably you know, I've one of the certificates somewhere. But when you get it you get a certificate you know, banded in Russia with a name that's got like, you know, 25 con- consonants <laughs> and at least that many vowels in there. Yeah. I could never pronounce it in a million years. And, uh, yeah, they're Russian bands. So. But they're not... It's u- cool. It's cool. They're not U.S. Fish and Wildlife. They're not the Avaz. Oh, they are. Yeah, they are. No, they are. They are those bands. But where they're actually banded is in Russia. Okay, that's there's what I was talking about. Yep. Yeah. So the Russians are no, working it'd be, with... It would be really cool if they were Russian and 
We've had we had a guy kill a speckle belly here one time, and I think it had not with us, but in this area. And it's been a long time ago, but I think it was in Russian. The the band was all Russian stuff. That's why I was curious about that. Now, what yeah, what that'd be cool. what's your limits out there on the West Coast? Um, well, for we can shoot seven ducks, which is you know seven of those can be mallards. We can shoot four Canadas. Six dart, or pardon me, six snows and ten specks. Wow. So, um, yeah. But I will say this that new limit, it had been four geese in aggregate since I've, I've been guiding up here for pushing 25 years now. And it's been four geese in aggregate ever since I've been here up until last year. And they gave us those six snows and the ten specks. Now, I will say this about this ten spec limit. If anybody in the area shoots a limit of specs, I will I will give them any call in my lineup for free because it's gonna be, it's impossible. The only times that we see specs in the basin right here is very early when they come through in. I mean, I think there's times that we start to see them come through in August. Wow, they'll come through in August and September. And there may be some that, you know, carry over into uh, October and then extremely late. You know, you know, like I told the boys, you know, you know, the guides that told them, I was like, the only way that we're going to be able to shoot 10 specs ever is if we have a huge warm up, say, in the first week of January and we get a huge reverse migration, migration, you know, on those Chinook winds and um, push those birds back up from California. Other than that, uh, I think I don't know why they gave us 10 specs. It's silly. But we are excited to see that we can shoot six snows. And I think for a lot of people, they you know, six snows, that isn't very many. But uh, if you grew up hunting out here where the limit was four in the aggregate, it's, it's a heck of a jump. So. Yeah, our limit is uh, 20, 20 snows. And I've kind of got the same attitude that you do towards the... Uh the speckle bellies like it just for you know and, and we're running you know we'll have eight ten guys and you good luck shooting 20 snows with that many people here yeah. just because we don't have the population of them yeah so i don't know why but it'll book the hunts won't it do what it'll help book the hunts though, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you can shoot 20 out here uh you do have yeah. something well, you know yeah, the guys will always call and they'll ask the limits, and you know, I'll, I'm not going to BS them. And I tell them, well, yeah, you have a good chance of shooting your snows and your Canada's, but forget about shooting ten specs. Yeah, you know, there may be a chance. You know, there's always that perfect storm and things line up. You might get it, but uh, you know, you know not that happen. that's mainly the the birds that we have here the most that we shoot that are banded are the uh, speckabellies and they all come from, I guess, just right north of you, in the in in Canada and the Northwest Territories and all that other good stuff. Yeah, but, what is that Nunavut or yeah. whatever? That's almost yep. Yeah. yep. So I guess it's they just I guess they blow past stuff. you in August, yeah. huh? Yeah, they come through early. They come through early, very early. Huh. Poor, poor bastards get here and then have to come right back. Now, do do you shoot? Do you shoot a different kind of Canada goose than we do? Do you kill the duskies or the Aleutians or any of that? Um. So, 
like the Aleutians, the Dusties, and I would say the, the larger numbers of cacklers and calves, those birds travel more down the I-5 corridor and travel, you know, down, you know, to the, the coastal range and, and then uh, um, down into the Willamette Valley and then down into California. You know, a lot of those birds, from what I've, I've been told and read, is that, you know, they'll have a pretty much a nonstop flight, flight from Alaska straight into, let's say, the Willamette Valley, you know, across the ocean. So um, we don't see them that often. I mean, we do. I mean, we, there, there are on occasions that we shoot uh, cacklers, and I've heard of a few duskies being shot over here. Um, on the west side now, the dusky is protected in a lot of areas where you can't shoot them. Um, but, uh, yeah. There's, um, I would say the majority of the geese that we shoot over here are lessers and calves, and they're different than um, than the lessers that you guys shoot in Texas. So, you know, they, they look different. I'm, I've been down and I've hunted out of Lubbock uh, uh-huh. before, and I remember going out and picking them up and go, and looking at, you can just, the crown of their head looks different, and their column length is probably a little bit, uh, shorter than what ours is. So, the the Aleutian goose is on my. I, I want to get out to somewhere on the west coast and get on an Aleutian yeah. goose hunt. I mean, it's it's up there. California, yeah, that's what California. I've heard. California, yeah, that's where you need to go. I mean, there's there's some guys. Uh, the White Brothers, those boys, uh, those guys can get into them. They get into the Aleutians and. Uh, there's some band hunting some of the guns. They shoot a lot of bands. I don't know if you've seen them on some of the social media stuff, but they've, um, they're they good at what they do down there. So I would suggest if you can, show them up to those guys. They know what they're doing down there. And then have you seen the, have you seen the little cool little blue collars they put on them too? Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah, those are awesome. I've, I've never seen one. I'd love to get one sometime. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, those are cool. Uh, it is um it it's it's something that's on my bucket list and you can shoot those incredibly late in the year like isn't it like mid feb or you know late february and early march i want to say yeah i think it is february and i think they've got the limit they even cranked up on them one you can shoot some i want to say don't quote me on this but i think you might even be able to shoot eight or ten of the current things how many is that but from what from what i've been told though i've I've, I've talked to the guys and they said it's Real, real quick, and it's a, a timing thing with it. But oh. Again, I haven't been down there and haven't done it, so it, I wouldn't be the guy that would be the authority on it. It's on. It's on my list. So let's uh, let's dive into your uh, your call business. Where what was the uh, what was the driving force? Was were you on a previous uh, call staff? Were you on like a grounds or somebody way long before you started yours? Or, or what, well, how did that happen? Well, what when I started, there were no staffs, really. I mean, um, I was a grounds guy growing up. Um, well, I was a big river guy. Well, before that, I was a lowman guy. Uh-huh. Um, calling has always been, you know, something that I was fascinated with and, <clears throat> and interested with. But, uh, yeah, all that big river. And then when I really started getting into it, I was a grounds guy. No doubt about it. Um, I have a lot of respect for Tim and a lot of what I know about, um, you know, getting in the goose hunting and just calling to Tim. 
Um, it, uh, and then I would say, well, when was, well, shoot, it's, it's going to be our 20 year anniversary in 2019, so next year. So in 99, I started to build falls, and, um, I built them because of exactly kind of what we were just talking about. I mean, we have a lot of little birds that have different voices, you know, and, and different hawkers and lessers and cats and cacklers. And um, at the time, there really wasn't anybody building, you know, I would say a call to match the hatch mm-hmm. and, you know, match the voices of the birds that we were hunting. Um, Tim had a half breed at the time, and I was a half breed guy, and still, uh, you know, a lot, probably. I'm embarrassed to think about how many that I killed with one, but it was a lot and had a lot of success with it. But it's you know, it was extremely the half breed was extremely versatile and I mean it's a killer in the field, but it still didn't match exactly to a lesser, a tav, you know. And <clears throat> you know, as things have progressed, you could probably put it in the hands, and I could probably pick one up, and a lot of great callers could pick it up and get it to do exactly what the time, you know, 20 years ago, couldn't get it to do. So right. things have changed. But anyway, at the time, I wanted to build something that, um, you know, was more suited for where I was hunting. And honestly, at the time, there really wasn't a lot of guys building calls. And I would go to a show and I would tell, you know, Tim's calls. And everyone always would come to the show and wanted to talk to the guy that built it. And I want to talk to the guy that built it because I want to have something that sounds more like these keys that I'm shooting here. They're little, but I want something, a higher voice. And, you know, that was kind of, you know, that was kind of the beginning of it. Um, and, you know, started, started rolling from there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say I wanted to match the hatch is why I, building calls and what all goes i mean how many countless hours do you spend bef- to do your first uh before your first call comes on the market how many prototypes and how many hours did you spend you know uh the barrel length and 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 all you know getting the diameter just right to make it sound have that you know that good crack at the top of well, you know the note I, you know i will say this i you know i don't talk like this but you know i i'll pretty good caller and i think if you ask most good callers they could probably pick up any configuration of call and get it to run and get it to do what it needed to do so you know my the biggest you know the biggest challenge for me was building that first call and the first one i had i could pick it up on it you know i mean i mean i could just run it but i'd hand it to somebody and they couldn't they couldn't get it to do what I could do. Come on, man, just do this, do this, hold it like this, do this. And it wouldn't happen. So the challenge was, was, you know, figuring out something in the very first call, which was my original guide series, um, that uh, um, everybody could blow. So, you know, when Short Reads first came out, if you guys remember, the half read was, I mean, it was very difficult for people to blow. Yeah. It was, it was new. And there really wasn't, I mean, there was, there's no internet. There was very few videos on it. And, I mean, it was just the guy that either had a natural talent for this and had a ear that could pick it up, or somebody that spent countless hours trying to figure it out that finally did. So, anyway, short reads were tough to blow. You know, we wanted to build something that was easier for guys to blow. And Tim did it, 
you know, at the same time, talk to both of some of the other guys. But, you know, we started to lengthen those calls out, create more back pressure. And the original guide series <clears throat> ended up being a longer call. And in the end, you could still get high with it, but it was more, in my opinion, it was more of a honker call. And that was probably because some of the first ones that I worked on um, were so short, you know, more like my traffic that and really in my to my ear matched what I wanted to do with it better than anything that I had heard, but they were too difficult for guys to blow. Right. So um but as far as the time that went into it, um the, the biggest challenge like I said was just getting something that everything any, anybody could blow. Um because I think if you put you know, if you put the a kazoo in the hands of a good caller, you can make it run, you know. And yeah. There used to be a time I was a pretty good caller. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, not I, anymore. I, I, I has been if you, if you talk to uh, some of these kids, but anyway. I get that. And and the half-breed is what I uh, was the first call that I ever started on. bunch of... Uh, oh, great. Y- I mean, it, uh, such an incredible call. I mean, it was... It was, you know, it's, it, uh, in my mind, every once in a while, I think about, you know, I go from call maker to call maker and think about, you know, what was, you know, what is the, the, the call that, you know, somebody should be remembered for. And in my mind, you know, I think, you know, Tim Ground's half-breed. I just, I mean, for me, when I think of Tim Ground's name, I think about half-breed and kind of the, the, the you know, the beginning of short recalling, you know. And I think a lot of your listeners, and I'm sure you guys know, I mean, this story that Tim tells, you know, he got it from somebody. But, you know, for a guy out, kid out west where, you know, we didn't have internet, very mm-hmm. little exposure to, you know, contest calling and different things like that, you know, that was the first short read that I could really remember. But, uh, like I said, I think of, you know, Tim Grounds with the Hatbridge, Sean Mann with the Eastern Shoreman. You know, I think, you know, just, I don't know, I think, you know, those calls, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago that have stood the test of time and, um, and the guys behind them. And, I mean, it's, they're all awesome stories and just so much history and stuff. I wish, uh, wish somebody would put it all down on paper sometime that, um, uh, or put it on a, a hard drive or some or whatever you have to do these <laughs> days. But, uh, or maybe make a YouTube video, then everybody would watch it. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And, and I'm cool. kind of like you. Really you, cool. you know, I get, uh, we run Hunter seven days a week out here, and I about once a week I get the question, well, you know, I've got this call, and how can I, and it's just kind of like you said, um, I'm not saying I'm the best caller in the world, but most calls that I get, through my hands, I can make, you know, sound the notes that it needs to go. And I just, it's so mm-hmm. frustrating. You get the guy out here and he's like, well, how do you do this? And I'm just like, it's, it's so, it's one of those deals. Once you've done it once, it, you can kind of build on something. But getting that first, you know, that first double cluck is something that I just, I can't teach people other than just yeah. sit and do this repetitively until it finally cracks. But yeah, it's, it's like it's almost like I mean riding a bike. As soon as you you took the training wheels off and you tipped over a few times, and then all of a sudden away you go. It's the same thing with the short read. If you figure out how to keep your balance, how to keep everything running right, 
you're off, man. I mean, it's it's uh, <clears throat> it's amazing how quick some guys can pick it up, and other <laughs> guys to this day, I you know, a lot of these guys on a short one years, they still can't do it. So, but uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, well, come, clicks in your head and away you go. Well, coming from someone, I can't blow a goose call. Save my ass. I've been in business 27 years, and I cannot blow a goose call. Can you believe that? I can't blow a short read call. I cannot blow come a Come on. Nope, I'm Crazy, serious. huh? Ever, I have people call all the time. They're like, Jeff, we want to hunt with you. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could kill a goose <laughs> in the early 90s, and it was easy because I could flag, and I could cluck a little bit on a call, and that's all I had to do. Today, where you have to call yep. at them, and there's so much more pressure on the geese now because they're hunted from Canada all the way till hell six months a year they're getting hunted basically, and but I can't call. I can blow that. I can blow a duck call. A duck call is easy to blow. A goose call is hard for people to learn how to call. And I'm one of them guys. I've never learned how to blow a goose call really. Owns a goose hunting you're outfit. The first goose guy. I, well, I was. I'll take that back. You're not the first goose guy to ever hear it say that or. Yeah, that I know that can't run a call, but uh, huh. I can't. I but, didn't know that. But I don't have to guide hunts, and I haven't guided a hunt in twenty five years. I hire guys really? that can. Blow, I can. I hire guys that can call. He's our salesman. But I scout. I, you know, uh-huh. I know a lot about goose hunting. I can tell you how to hide, how to put out decoys, and everything else. I know what I'm doing. I just can't run a call. Yeah. But I haven't had to uh-huh. for twenty five years. I've had to take care of everything else that goes with running a hunting business and running three to five groups a day. And so I hire guys can blow a call. But even the new guys get here and they're like, Jeff, let me hear you blow a call. It's like, shit. (laughs) Give me a kazoo because I can make it sound better. (laughs) We, we We were sitting in Canada. It was one of the last hunts there. And I was off doing some paperwork. My coffee, you know, kicked in about the time that the, the, the early morning ducks were coming. And I'm off by a tree, and all of a sudden I hear just them just brrrr. And I get back, and they did it two or three more times. And I get, you know, Jeff doesn't have a lanyard on or anything. And I said, how in the hell did you call those ducks in? Did it all with his mouth. Every bit of it. But, no, right on. you know, we're also hunting in Canada. I think they still had eggshells on their head, so... I think it was more of the two spinners yeah. we had out than anything. See, I, when I do make a call and works, oh. you, I don't get any credit for it. So, yeah, I, get, there. Uh, yeah. I guess I should have oh, patted him funny. on the back a little bit more. Now, one thing that I saw on your Instagram was uh, you guys were putting stuffers out. For, no, for decoys, yes. Yeah, how, how many how many stuffers do you guys have? Um. Well, you put all the trailers together, there's probably pushing 500. Good Lord. Wow. And you put that out every but day? Put, heck no. No. <laughs> well, no. you leave them out no. then? I would say I, no, no, no. No, hell no. <laughs> no, the hawks and the coyotes would have their way with them, and then every time they rain. Um, uh, no, I do. We hunt over stuffers. Um I know that uh, we're not the guys that originated hunting over stuffers. Guys on the East Coast and probably some of the guys from the Midwest that use them. Um, but to this day, we still use them and rely on them. I would say average stuffer rig is probably, oh, five to ten dozen. I think, um, <clears throat> I think most days I'm hunting over probably around 75 to 100. 
um, if they if the geese piss me off, I'll grow out more. And if uh, if I'm feeling a little tired that day, I'll throw a few less. But um, you know, my approach, you know, to to duck and goose hunting is, is, you know, you can only control a few things. You know, I can control where I'm at. I can control my hide. I can control my decoys and my calling. So, you know, with regards to the decoys, I mean, when I use the stuffers, I can never say they flared off the decoys. No. And there's been times, I mean, there's been times that I've seen them flare off stuff rigging. It could be, you know, the actual set that you have it in. It could be the position in the field next to a pit. It could be, you know, it could be a number of things. I've seen them fly off, uh, flare off, you know, their own kind live ones in the field, too. But um, that's one of the, you know, you can only control a few things, and, you know, I take the guesswork out of it. We use taxidermy mounted decoys. Um, in fact, I would say most of the decoys, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the trailers, I think a lot of guys would put them in their house. They're, I mean, the, the guides take a lot of pride in putting the rig together, and, you know, I think it's, uh, it's a reflection of, you know, their, their love and their appreciation for the game. When you get out there and you look at our rakes and you can see, you know, these things are beautiful, man. I mean, the guys are putting glass eyes in them, getting them all painted up and, you know, taking the time. You know, like I said, you probably put it in your house. Yeah. So, but, you know, with all that being said, you do have to have a, you know, a trailer set up specifically to haul stuffers, you know, in some shape, you know, whether you bungee them down, you've got a special rack system for them. If it's too much rain or moisture, you can't hunt them. Um, you know, so if you, you can't control Mother Nature, and sometimes you're out there and the rain comes up and they get rained on, and, you know, you, you put them up to dry. But um, there's a lot of great decoys out there, and there's none of them as good as a stuffer. No. You know, it's, I mean, you, but it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not for everybody. I mean, I know a lot. I don't. It's not my style of hunting, but I think um, a lot of guys want a decoy that they can kick into the trailer, or you know, you know, I, you know, I take pride in you know what I do out there, and not saying that the guys, you know, that use other decoys don't, but I mean, I, I'm particular. I like my spread to look a certain way. I like the hide to look a certain way. You know. I've got a picture of what a waterfowl hunt should be like in my head. Stuffers happen to be a part of it. So, so do you wait uh, till a, per, a certain part of? Do you wait for the birds to get a little stale, and maybe you know, is is are stuffers kind of your curveball, or or what? When do you throw out the stuffers? Um, no, I would I would say probably the the, the curveball is is the size of the rig. Uh-huh. Because you've got to think that, I mean, a lot of the guys around here are using stuffers or a custom-painted decoy or a base-knit decoy or, you know, Paul Sullivan is a guy in our area he built a decoy called the Drop Zone. And so there's these all these custom decoys, and, you know, um, so your competition daily, you know, if birds are flying over another rig, Typically, a pretty good looking spread. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mess around. I mean, day one, we're breaking the stuffers out. We're taking the guesswork out. 
you know, and the, the curveball or, you know, when birds get tough, yeah, we'll bulk it up, we'll shrink it, we'll add, you know, you know we'll do different things. So, so you, you said earlier that you, when you have a certain, uh, uh, you know, spread in mind, what are, what, when you do these stuff, are, are they, mo- you know, do you try to, uh, is it mostly heads down or do you have to pick, what I'm getting at is do you have to go out and pick, you know, is each rig the same or do, you know, do you go and pick some that if you're hunting like a, a field that's a heavy feed, will you go and pick more birds that have their heads down or, or how do you choose that? Well, if I'm, if I'm telling people what to do, yeah, I would probably say it's one rig with more feeders, of course, you know, if you're in a feed field or if you're in a loafing area, resting area. But if you were to hunt with me, uh, I don't care what they had been doing. I mean, if I had, you know, they're, I'm putting them out there. Because if you watch geese long enough, you know, there's, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're always moving. Their heads are up. Their heads are down. All of a sudden, this side of the flock, all of them are feeding. And there's only one, you know, one with the setup. And then all of a sudden, all their heads are up. Or, okay, they're fighting over here. They're chasing each other. So, <clears throat> You know, I, I think uh, in, on paper, everyone wants to hear that, you know, you need this many and this many and this many and this many. Yep. And uh, honestly, um, yeah, just give me some decoys. I don't care what their heads are doing. Let's put them out there and let's get them. So. That, that's, that's kind of the uh, the approach that I have because we, we do mostly, uh, mostly silhouettes down here, and I get that question all the time. Uh, you know, do you want – you? you want them facing into the wind and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, well, I've got, I've got three feeders here. You know, where do you want them? And that's what I tell my clients. Just get them out there and let's, let's move on to getting you hidden and let's get the freaking trucks out of here and let's, let's roll with it. Yeah. um, You know, I, I I say that, you know, that I, you know, I'm super particular, but I mean, if you were to look at my rig, yeah, I mean, I would probably say that, more than half of them are feeding. Um, when I set my rig, I usually, you know, I'm very particular about the footprint that I have out there um, and that it looks natural. You know, and, and my hunting lessers, and my hunting honkers, and my hunting cacklers, and my hunting snows. What am I trying to do? I mean, am I trying to get these birds to pull through the rig, get them set into the rig, swing around the rig? I mean, ultimately, we all want that nice back winging shot. Yeah, it makes it easy for our, for our hunters. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's rather than the head positions and stuff like that, I'm more concerned about the way my rig is set. When, 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 you, so, when you scout in Washington, what do you, what, how, big a feed, how big a feed are y'all hunting on? Because, you know, we, we, we hunt, our, have people from all over listening to us, and some of them are hunting outside of a refuge outside of, in New Jersey. I got people that are hunting in the Midwest, and everything's different. How big a feed are you looking at where, where you're hunting at? How big are the feed fields that we're? No, we're how hunting? how big a feed are you talking? Ten thousand birds in the field, fifty thousand birds in the oh, field, no, yeah, five hundred. That's, that's what I was asking. Um, I'd say when I first moved here twenty-five years ago, I drive past the field that had you know five thousand birds. Today, if I saw five thousand Canadas in the field. I'd probably poop my pants. <laughs> they don't. They don't get like that anymore. I mean, it's, we don't have the geese like we used to. Um, we have. We still have a lot of geese, and like I say, I mean, it's 
we kill the same amount of geese. It's just how long it takes to do it. Like my wife says, you used to be home at you know nine ten o'clock every day, and now you're out there till you know three four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we just don't have the geese. So I mean, a big feed field out here, a big a big feed would be a few thousand. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't times where. You know, if I travel north and before they get all scattered or, you know, in the different areas where I'm finding, you know, several thousand. But, um, um, yeah, we just, we don't have the geese like we do. Um, but, you know, then it, it all depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know those guys that are really good at counting birds. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was probably a million bills. Okay, <laughs> let me go check them out. Yeah, there's probably about 3,000 of them, but yeah. I like a million. I'll, I'll, go, I'll tell everybody there's a million. No, but uh, there, uh, now, with that being said, the snow goose numbers, I mean, from, you know, talk about this, keep in mind that when I first started guiding snow geese here, if you shot a snow goose, you probably got your picture in the paper. Wow. You know? You know, 25 years ago. 15 years ago, we started to shoot one here one there. I started to get into four, four, four. Anymore, I would say at the end of the season on one of the farms above the refuge, we were probably, we probably had about 40,000 snows in there. So, um, for us, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Other parts of the country, guys, you know, with about 40,000 or more, when you saw a church council. I've been there and guided in Canada. Not in the Dakotas, and been to Texas, all over the country. Not, but uh, I think it's all relative to where you hunt. For us, a lot of birds in the field anymore is probably, I would say, a thousand. But with all that being said, <clears throat> I hope not a lot of my clients are listening. But if you are hunting with Bill, most days I don't set up on birds. I, I, you know, I love to run traffic. Call that I named after it. Kind of the guys that coined the phrase "traffic." Um, I love running traffic. I it's my favorite thing to do. I I love you know just the the challenge of no birds in the field, just birds coming over the top. And I've got to make something happen. So, what so. do you think? When you're running traffic, what is the one thing that you want to have covered? Is it the hide? Is it the decoys? What is, what is the one thing that you want done? And what well, I think with, with it, I mean, with any with any hunt, I, I would have to say number one is my hide. If they can see you, you don't have a chance. Right. Always number one, and I, I do seminars, and I'm like the worst salesman for selling calls. <laughs> but I tell people, you know. Number one, you need to be in a place with birds. Mm-hmm. Number two, you need to make sure you have a good hide. Number three, you need to have some good decoys out there. And the least most important thing on the list of things to do to kill ducks and geese is have a good call. Mm-hmm. You know, but I will say this: number four, having a good call and being able to operate a good call will overcome having shitty decoys, a shitty hide, and no birds in your area. Right, calling. Calling is a great equalizer, in my opinion. I mean, and growing up, I never had the good spot. And, you know, I hunted, you know, we had traffic, and, you know, the guys with the big lease were over here, and I had to, you know, I'm you know, off, and I'm set up, you know, in a beet field or in an onion patch or something with 
with my 16747 that my dad bought me. <laughs> and, but i tell you what I could do. I could blow the hell out of the goose call, and I won. Yeah. You know, and uh, to this day, you know, calling, I think, is, you know, is, is the thing that will set you apart and overcome, you know, any deficiency that you have in the other three things. Did but, you grow um, up? Did you grow up hunting around Horicon? No, no. I, uh, my dad, I think I was in the fifth grade. Mom and dad, uh, we lived in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. My dad fished for walleye twice a day growing up. And when I was in fifth grade, mom and dad packed up the truck. We're moving out west. And we moved out west. And the story goes is they got to the, they got to the turnoff. They could turn. And go south into Colorado, or they could keep going straight and go to Idaho. And they kept going straight, and my folks moved us to Boise, Idaho, when I was in the fifth grade. I've heard that's a real and nice town. That I've heard, I've always heard that's a real nice place to live. Is Boise? Boise Boise has changed a lot, you know, as I think everybody's hometown has. Um, it's a lot different when I go back there, but yeah, it's a great town. It's a great place to grow up. Um, but, uh, yeah, my folks, you know, I grew up in Idaho, folks moved us out there, and if you ask my dad, we moved to Idaho, so we go elk. There were no elk in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and he wanted to shoot elk, so <laughs> that's why we moved out there. But, and I've heard the waterfowl hunting in Idaho is, uh, second to none, kind of a hidden treasure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely in gym for sure, um, Tons of mallards, lots of big honkers. They've got a really nice uh, late season spec hunt there that, um, with a 10 bird spec limit that you can shoot your 10 birds there. They've got the, the numbers of birds to, to handle it. Um, they've got a snow season that coincides with it as well. But um, yeah, I, growing up in Idaho, you know, there's you know, everyone thinks Idaho, you think of deer and elk and all that stuff. But for me, it was. Is waterfowl, man. I mean, there are so many great places to hunt ducks and geese in that country. You know, so. so so how did you get into waterfowl hunting if your dad wanted to shoot uh, elk? Well, elk season is only a couple of weeks long, and then we had to go hunt something else. I gotcha. So, no, we, I, yeah, I grew up in hunting salmon. Uh-huh. My dad and his brothers, you know, they were hunters. My, my grandfather owned them. Yeah. Sporting goods store with a bar attached to it, which I think is the coolest thing ever to sell <laughs> beer in the Um But uh, yeah, just a hunting family. It's in my blood. So, so you mentioned uh, that the birds aren't coming to to or the Canadas at least aren't coming to Washington anymore. Is it uh, is it is it weather related? Is it farming? Is it a shift in migration? What what are they saying is causing uh, the shift? Um. I mean, I would say that, you know, I'd say that the numbers, you know, I'm not sure. I don't want anybody to think that we don't have any geese here. No, no, no. We have a lot of geese. Right. But we don't have the geese like we used to. Um, You know, it's, I don't know if it's kind of the migration has dispersed a little bit more. um, Or, you know, I I had a theory in my head that they got, they were killed. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, if you have a couple bad hatches and you have a, a lot of guys that are proficient at, at killing stuff, 
can do a lot of damage to to a, a flock of birds, and you know, uh, I know a lot of guys like doing this, but I see a lot of these big big groups of guys, you know, twenty, you know, fifteen twenty guys going up. And it's commonplace I know in a lot of places in the country to hunt that way, but around here it isn't. But for a while, it was all the rage to get these big, huge groups of guys together and, and you know, shooting. You know, you'd think that in a day, if, a, if an area was used to shooting, you know, that area, you figure, oh, there might be 50 geese killed there, you know, between all the parties in a day. And now guys are going out there and they're killing 100, 150. Eventually, it takes a toll. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, look at it. It's a natural resource of you know, they can only populate themselves so quickly and their poor breeding conditions or, you know, just whatever it may be. I had a theory for a while that they, they were just, they were dead. Hmm. But, um, because, you, you know, you would think that, you know, oh, yeah, over in Idaho we're seeing a lot more lessers or over on the west side we've got more lessers or these, you know. And you hear stories of, you know, you know, there's a few more birds here or there, but um, I don't know where they went. I mean, they just disappeared. You know? yeah. um, we still have strong numbers. I mean, the, the Columbia Basin is a huge area. I mean, it's it's huge. And, you know, these birds are scattered from, you know, 100 miles north of me to, you know, you know, 50 miles south and wide, and that's just the area that I I hunt in. You know, it's uh, it's a huge, huge area. So, yeah, you know, they might be bumped over in a, in, a, in a different area that day or whatever. But in general, yeah, the numbers are definitely dwindled. Well, that's so. that's kind of like where we are at in uh, Texas. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 2011 had a terrible drought, and that now we have kind of adjusted, and we're doing. Uh, more and more hunting in uh, southern Oklahoma, but you know, same thing. Mm-hmm. You, you you just you look around and what we were in West Texas, you know, having the the amount of geese that we have, and now I just think that they're all just kind of number one. They're stopping up and we hadn't had a winter in forever, and that's just absolutely killed us down here in the south. Um, not locking up water, not covering up food, and uh, you know. But I, that is an interesting theory that uh, that they, the birds might just all have died, and uh, the leftovers hadn't made their way down. That's an interesting theory. I like that one actually. Well, you, I mean, you don't you don't want to think that, but when you can't put your finger on something, and right. you you think you think of you know the you know the the number of birds that you've harvested, and then think of what these other guys have done, and you know after a while, it's like. Can they replenish themselves that quickly? And here's the other thing that I have to say. I mean, everybody's a good goose hunter anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, growing up, growing up, I looked at goose hunters like, I mean, if you were a goose hunter and you could call and you could kill geese, I mean, you were you were doing something. I mean, I don't know what it was like where you guys are at, but there weren't as many good goose hunters. I mean, you could probably count them on one hand. The number of guys that were good goose hunters that, that really got into them all the time right. anymore. Holy cow! Yeah, with the decoys they got, the blinds, the onyx maps, the the, 
the, the internet scouting, all the things that the YouTube to learn how to blow a call, everything that's available to these guys. There's a lot of damn good goose hunters out there. Yeah, you know all this stuff that that you had to learn on your own, or you know, be mentored to learn, or you know, the chance, you know, occasion that you'd bump into somebody that would share some knowledge with you is now all available to the to everybody right in front of them. And in turn, it's turned a lot of guys into some pretty good goose hunters, you know, and duck hunters and elk hunters and turkey and whatever it may be. But, you know, it's uh, with all those guys coming in, I mean, it's, you know, is there enough birds to support that? Hunter numbers have dwindled. I know that. It may not be as popular. Although, I would say, you know, if you look at, how call sales and decoy sales, and I've been involved in the industry for over 20 years. I mean, it kind of feels like, you know, there's definitely the last couple of years there's a resurgence in waterfowl hunting, but more interest in it, more sales coming. So, I don't know. Maybe it's cool again. No. <laughs> but, you know, I've got a theory about, about those kids that uh, kind of have overnight success. I don't think, uh, I think, I think there are a lot of good goose hunters like you're talking about, um, but I think maybe they're too good too early, and they haven't had to uh, enjoy the kick in the nuts that we have had or that you have had over 20 years of you know just learning how to uh, proficiently run a goose call or what spread might work, and, and you know they haven't they haven't earned their lumps yet, uh, if if that makes sense. No. I would, I would say, you know, in a lot of cases, that's probably true. I mean, when I started goose hunting, you know, I started with uh, some Johnson folding goose decoys mm-hmm. and, and uh, hit under a burlap sack and blew a Loman goose call and had to borrow my buddy Craig Bowman's sister's 69 Ford to go scout. Yep. And we ran out there, and, you know, that's we were hunting. And um, the limit was one, and it was a big deal to get one. Right. There wasn't the numbers of geese there was. And that's how I, you know, I grew up hunting that way. You know, the limit was two, and so on and so forth. But, you know, he's, I, you know, I'm not real old. Well, he passed some of the guys. I am real old. But <laughs> I don't think I'm real old, but... I mean, I've been around trying to see, you know, the evolution of waterfowl hunting, you know, in the last 30-some years. And, um, you know, it's, it's, like anything, it's changed a lot. But, my goodness, if I started now, this would be so easy to do this. Yeah. I couldn't imagine having all these decoys and blinds and camouflage and calls and all this awesome equipment right at my fingertips. You know, mm-hmm. you think about it. I mean, the short read goose call, and for us out here building a short read that would match a lesser, and Dave Smith carving the decoy or sculpting, Dave doesn't carve, Dave sculpts, mm-hmm. sculpting the decoy, you know, to build that matches a lesser. And Ron Lackshaw, 30 miles from where I'm at, inventing a layout blind. Um, and, you know, the guys down in California coming up with the Bojo Duck decoy. And, I mean, it's just like the evolution, all this stuff happened, you know, as I was growing up. And, you know, it was, 
you know, in finding out about it, you went to a sports show or you bumped into a guy at a boat launch or whatever, you know, but now to have it all you know, on my phone where I can just find all this stuff, clickety-click, yep, now I got a spread of, you know, 300 decoys. Clickety-click, I got the newest spin <laughs> wing and I've got the newest, you know, yeah. shit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that hunting is easy, but it's a lot easier than it used to be. And, I, you know, I think a lot of the kids appreciate it. You know, if you talk to some of these guys out there that uh, appreciate the sport, you know, understand where all of us came from and everything, you know, even before me, you know, and, you know, and the guys that are still doing it have done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a crew of guys that they don't care. They're out there and they want to big pile and a hero picture and you know whatever so but you're a guy you, but you're a guy that enjoys the grind and you you were going to do whatever you had to do to ensure that you at least had a spot to hunt you know if you had to borrow the 69 uh ford to go scout or whatever i, I just think that kids today uh it comes so easy so quick that they don't appreciate uh just being out in nature, and I think kind of maybe the first bad season or the first set of kicking the nuts, and I I don't think that they're gonna uh, be around. Yeah. The yeah. the yeah. the appreciation that that you have, uh, I don't think kids today have th- that have such you know early success like we're talking about. Yeah, could be. So l- could be. let me change things up just a little bit. Tell me some of the things that you shoot on the West Coast. That we don't shoot. What's an, what's the most interesting bird you've shot out there? Um, the most interesting bird that I've shot up here. Um, for us, you know, like I said, Eastern Washington is you know, it's mainly mallards and Canada geese and snow geese. So for us, uh, we'll shoot Eurasian wigeon oh. on occasion. On occasion, brant um, will come inland. Um, you know, and if you're on the West Coast, you've got all the sea ducks, you know, the scoters and old squaw and all that up there. Uh, Harlequins, which is on my bucket. We're talking about a bucket list, and Harlequin is definitely on my bucket list. I'd love to get one. I just, um, when it's time to go shoot a Harlequin, is usually go time for the guide service here at home. Yeah. So uh, I spend my time doing that, thinking that I should be, you know, shooting something cool. You know, on the on the ocean and sitting on a you know oyster bed or something like that. Yeah. You know, tangled up in seaweed and me shooting, you know, something cool on the wing like that. But um, you know, we've got. I'm sure you guys in Texas have got a lot of pintails. You know, we've got a lot of pintail, a lot of mallard, uh, specks. You know, it's. um, We we shot a hybrid. Speck in Canada. I'm looking at it right now in the lodge. It's got a orange bill, uh-huh. and it's got a can- it's got an orange bill, but it's got the Canada head, black head, white cheek patch, and then it's got orange feet. Craziest yeah. thing that I've ever Spaconker. seen. What's we that? We call them the Spaconker. Yeah, we we called it. So uh, we, we had a year that we shot we shot a few. <laughs> yeah, we shoot some hybrids and stuff like that around here. And there's a lot of guys that are. That are into it, into all the hybrids. Yeah. I got one of the guys that works for us, Mike. He's, I mean, every hybrid that comes up, he's like, Oh, did you see this? I'm just like, Picture. <laughs> you know, look at the hybrids. It's a Canada goose cross with a chicken. Oh my God. <laughs> I, 
I, I personally believe that a mallard will hump anything that sits still long enough. So, see, yeah. seeing something cross yeah. with a mallard, there's a good chance of it. Yeah. And uh, well, we... You know, we shoot. We shoot a few, you know, a few oddball things like that every year. They're cool, and usually, you know, I think like most guys, they end up on the wall. So. Yep. Yep, for sure. Um, so one of the questions that we ask everybody that we've had uh, a laundry list of uh, professionals and, and professional guides, one of the questions is, uh, in your career, has there ever been a band that uh, – the rest of the group didn't know about, but old Bill, and it uh, might have got put on your lanyard. So, hello, are can, you there? Yep, yep. Can you hear me, Bill? You're breaking up. I didn't hear any of that last district. Okay. Next question, please. The uh, one. Uh <laughs> huh. Yeah, I got gotcha. uh, you. That's that's a. He's with everybody else. We're a hundred percent now. We were all we were all <laughs> young at one time. Any more though? No. Uh, you know, if, uh, if, I, if I didn't get it, I, you know, but I will say, I'm looking for them now. Right. I'm looking for them. Yeah. And, I mean, you can, they're pretty easy to pick out, but, yeah, back in the day, there may be even a few. I mean, I think that was, and if there's any guy that, that says that they haven't, uh, yeah, I talk bullshit. Yeah, I do too. But, uh, I I think uh, yeah. we we had a guy on and he said no, but that was only because he didn't have the opportunity to do it. I will say this: when I one of the very first years I started tagging, we shot uh, <clears throat> we shot a bandit mallard, and I think it was probably one of the first five or six that I ever seen that brought it in. The guys got it, and they were all you know, oh cool, we got a band, we got a band. Like, do you guys want that? I mean, I, I really like to have it. And, oh, no, we're, no, we want it. We want it. By the end of the trip, they had lost the damn thing. Oh. I have devastated in my life. Wow. But, uh, no, nah, anymore? No, that's, uh, I think, I think if, if you, if you give them all away, you get good karma, mm-hmm. eventually you get something cool, like something from, Japan or Russia or Afghanistan or <clears throat> something like that will happen. So give them all away. Give them to everybody. <laughs> that, that's advice I can't take, my friend. How, how often do y'all kill Eurasian widgeons? Uh, I've done this my entire life, and that was the first one that I had ever seen. I'm actually shooting the episode of Drake's Migration Nation. I think it was the first two that they came out, and they um, um, a flock of widgeon came in and pulled him, shoot one, and got my buddy Brian Bellenbacher down on the end of the barn. And no widgeons. I go, come on, we're going to get it on TV, man. Let's shoot And came through, and we all raised hell with them, and plop, plop, plop. I think we dropped three of them. And they laid out there forever, and it was raining. Um, I finally got up and went out there and I was I was like ex- so excited that I finally got one and um, yeah he's in, I'm in my office and he's sitting in my office right here looking right at me we've, we've killed and, uh, we've killed two of them here but they weren't in great color yeah. I've, got, I've got one on the wall but it's not great color now we kill a couple of brant here every year for you to kill a brant that's not unusual but for us to kill a brant every year in the west Texas is very rare 
Yeah, that's, that's, that is cool. I mean, that, and that's, you know, people ask me, how can you do it every day? And I probably, I don't hunt as much as I used to. I mean, I used to be absolutely obsessed with this where September to the end of March, I'm going every single day. And, uh, but that's the cool thing about this game, man. It's every day is different. You never know what you're going to see. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's like the, the first time every time. Yep. I mean, I think we all get tired of setting out decoys and picking them up and driving to the spot. So, man, I'm just, you know. But when it's on and the, start, the birds start to work, there ain't nothing better than that. I mean, can we get paid to go on me? Come on. Yep. It's the best job in the world, you know? I, so. I could not agree more. I, um you, you do, and what stinks is like when you get kind of you get lost in the trudging, or maybe you're going on a bad run of hunts or something like that. And then um, for me, I I had a guy that had uh, he was terminal with cancer, and he had his son out, and he could give a shit less how many birds we shot or even saw that day. We ended up having a good hunt, but he said, "You know what?" He said, "I'm up." I'm here with my son. I'm going to watch the sunrise come over that hill over there. And he said, today is a good day. And it just, it, yeah. ta- it takes a moment like that, you know, because when you do it seven days a week and it, it is monotonous because you're, you know, you're putting out decoys and blah, 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 blah. And then when you see that, you're just like, son of a bitch. That, there's a greater purpose mm-hmm. to, to everything that we're doing here. It's not, it's not about, you know, killing the birds or all that other stuff. There's a, there needs to be a deeper meaning, and there, I have about two or three wake-up calls every year that I have, and that kind of snaps me back to, "Hey, you're living the good life, man. Just enjoy it. Just, yeah. just enjoy." We're it. all broke. I mean, I don't know if they have this guy that's got any money, but yeah, Justin Hill. Good time being broke. Yeah. Justin, Justin Hill. Hill. Yeah, because he Hill is well, the only one that's made any money doing it. That's because he. <laughs> that's because he gets to buy kids clothes. <laughs> he saves money on his Sitka on his Sitka tab. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, we appreciate we appreciate so much you being on. Tell us where people can get a hold of you. Well, the easiest way to reach me, I guess, is like everybody does, is on the internet at BillSaundersCalls.com. Um, or on social media, Bill Saunders calls or big guns, um, or heck, you can find my phone number right on the uh, internet there, and you can call my cell phone. I don't care if I don't want to talk to you or I'm fishing, I won't answer. There you go. But usually, I'll pick up the phone and I'll talk to everybody. I mean, it's uh, that's my job. So, and hunting season and, uh, is coming that's up. That's what you get me. Hunting season's coming up. What do what do you guys when do you guys start up there? September one. What are you chasing up there? Yeah, we've got uh, um, you know we've got a dove season that usually starts off in the beginning of September, and then uh, our waterfowl season. We've got a uh, couple day early goose season, and then our main season starts usually about the first week. No, second part of the second weekend of October. Runs to the end of uh, January, so and we'll be going hard usually from about day one to the end of the season. So, what a grind! From there, we go to South Dakota, um, and we we got you know we got in Saskatchewan, 
here in Washington and in South Dakota. So you're you're a busy, busy man keeping up with the call company and chasing these silly bastards. Uh, for yeah, and it's all getting in the way of my walleye fishing. Is what's happening. Uh, so. <laughs> all right, you've got a tournament. When you you said uh, before we started recording, you got a tournament coming up, huh? Yep, yep. There's one coming up this weekend. And get ready for that. So, um, not looking forward to the heat, but looking forward to getting out there and uh, fishing. Um, I like the competition. Um, the only thing with fishing is there's so much luck involved. I mean, at least back, you know, when you're lower a calling contest, you know, the best guys would always be on top, you know, and that's how it is. But, God, some guys can just get, they're just luckier than me. I, yep. just, I don't know, I guess I used up all my luck with uh, one of the, the job I love and you know, wife and kids and everything that I have, so. Life's pretty good, isn't it? I want to. Yeah. Yep. I've been very so. blessed. This has been a good industry to be in. Well, Bill, we thank you so much for being on here. Uh, we appreciate you being, like I said, being a guest on here. Uh, if there's anything we can do, you let us know. And go pack go for sure. Go pack go. Yeah, yeah. And if you guys uh, want to get a hold of me, I mean, <clears throat> I started thinking about. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, they get tired of talking to Bill, but uh, a lot of stuff that I've done and a lot of stuff that I know about, you know, that I would be happy to share with people. You know, that's, and, you know, like I tell the boys, I got to pick up a big guy. I tell them, I said, I'm happy to share with people that appreciate it. Thank you, and I'm sure you got a lot of listeners that would appreciate it, too. So, if you ever want to get a hold of me again, just let me know. I'm happy to help you guys out. Perfect, perfect. We will definitely have you back on here. And one more time for the listeners, where can they get a hold of you at? At BillSaundersCalls.com. That's the easiest way. Perfect. Or uh, Facebook and Instagram. He's got a hell of an Instagram. You can go see those stuffers that we were talking about. Bill. Yeah, go look at them stuffers. Heck, if they want to see them up close, give me a holler and book a hunt with big guns, and we will get you out over the stuffers. Heck, you guys should come up. I mean, pretty soon you guys will be throwing a spread of a thousand stuffers out there. <laughs> throwing all them silhouettes away. You got to Kids will have like semi trailers full of stuffers you got to put out every morning. Full of stuffers. That sounds like a hell of a time. Thank you so much, Bill. All right. You guys take care. Hey, thank you and God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Bill Saunders of Bill Saunders Game Calls. And for our West Coast listeners, and we have a bunch of them, he's a legend in that area. Yeah. And we've got a ton of listeners on the West Coast. I didn't realize that the layout line was, uh, no, he said spinners. No, the layout line was too. Ron Latchaw. Right. You want me to give you a little tidbit information about Stanfield hunting you don't know? Go ahead. In 1995, they tested them with us. The layout line? Mm-hmm. In the old Big Honker Lodge. We put them together one night when they were here. And what'd you I'm, do? You told them, fuck no, we're digging in. It didn't work very good in the wheat because right. they didn't have the right color. It don't get, it don't it didn't work good enough. You imagine hunting in a wheat field in the middle of it, right? But it was comfortable, yeah, compared to laying on your back in the middle of wheat field. But, but yes, that did happen. We did test them. They come up with Randy Bartz and Mike Ducart, huh. the guys from I don't know if it's Final Approach who ever started invented them. And it was the layout bands. It was Ron Latchow was one of the guys. I'll be damn. Bill's an interesting guy. Been around. 
yes, almost he is. as long as we have. Yep, very very interesting man. What do you got, Jeff? Uh, November twenty seventh, I believe is the day we're going to have a goose hunt for two giveaway. I'm going to let you come up with the details on how to win this goose hunt. It'll be a two man hunt, lodging and meals. One day, November twenty seventh. I don't have a I don't have a clue at all. Pick the baby name or something. <laughs> Andy will not give me the name of this child. I was going to buy my wife a gift with all the grandkids' names on them, but I didn't want to put Juju in there because then I'd get an ash chewing later down the road. Mm-hmm. They don't. Jesse does not like the name Juju. Why not? That's a good name. Everybody will know the name shortly. Could be tomorrow. Well, it, you won't be. You're you're leaving on a jet plane for Mexico. Yeah, I'll be gone tomorrow. Well, you're going to catch an ass chewing if your uh, grandchild is born. What can I do? I mean, I booked it a week early. <laughs> you're going to catch an ass chewing. Speaking Chew. of ass chewings, Andy almost got a good one. We were in Canada hunting right before Reese was born, and Reese was born a week early. Mm-hmm. And we almost were in Canada still, and I could imagine getting that call about midnight. Woo. We left on, I think, Tuesday afternoon? No, Saturday. Oh, we fuck Reese yeah. was born on Saturday. Oh, we left? No. We left Canada on Saturday, got back home on Monday. Tuesday. No, we got back home, left on Saturday, got back home late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, and we had my first son on Saturday. Your first son. I like how you said that. That means Juju's going to be a boy. No, I don't. I honestly, on the life of my unborn child, we do not know. No, I know. I know you don't. Is. But it could be a boy. I hope it is. If we'll it's see. a girl, I'll love her just like I do Dylan. If it's a boy, I'll love him just like I do Reese. We'll all know but soon enough. Reese needs a little brother. He does. His uh, My cousin, who is Eric Lewis, we've had him on the podcast. He's a lot like a brother to me. He's having another daughter. My wife's sister is having another girl. So my poor son is outnumbered drastically. Zach has a little girl. So we're hoping this one's a boy to even out the numbers for sure. Now, Reese doesn't need a lot more siblings after this one. <laughs> He's got Lou. Your wife will, does not need to go through a third pregnancy. We're going to have to buy a bigger house if we get pregnant <laughs> again, for sure. But, yep, that's all that's coming up. So, uh, anyway. Anyways, we appreciate everyone listening. Uh, this next week, uh, The next podcast will be on Friday after this one, and it will be Andy and Zach will be hosting that. I will be out of town on vacation. So, hope everybody has a great time, uh, a great week. God bless y'all. Uh, thank you for listening. Go to iTunes and give us some reviews and get ready to tune in and we will have the goose hunt giveaway for November 27th. What we're going to do at Stanfield Hanging Outfitters. I'd like to appreciate, I want to thank all of our sponsors. 737 Duck Calls, Dive Bomb Decoys, William Chris Vineyards, and Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. And I still got one weekend left of Dove Hunters I can do in September and I believe it's the third weekend I've got room i booked up the first two weekends but third weekend i can do a group six to ten guys holler at me if you need it it's all i got left all right follow me on instagram at andy underscore shaver be sure you're following us on all of our social media channels stanfield hunting outfitters uh we'll have the details posted up sometime about the goose hunt jeff was just talking about we got a lot of cool shit going on cool pictures cool videos go check us out have a good one guys